Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on, everybody? Jason Wright here, bringing you episode number 30 almost a third of the way to 100. We'll get there. In this episode, of course, I talked to a great guest and I have an interesting thing to discuss with you before we, we get into the podcast. So here's a question I've asked myself many times and many people have asked me as well. How do you know when it's time to pivot? How do you know if you've gone far enough down a path to see if it's working for you? It's an interesting thought since I started my main business, Intentionally Inspirational, almost eight years ago. We've probably had five major pivots in that time. So the most recent one was about 21, 22 months ago. We pivoted to only working with real estate investors, capital raisers, specifically an active campaign. So prior to that, we used to help with paid traffic and web page design and that type of thing. But we cut all that stuff out and really whittled down the niche and been the best move I've ever made. But it's interesting because, you know, certain things I've done the business for two or three years straight before pivoting. But my observation, my opinion on all this is most people give up too soon. So I can't tell you the amount of people that I've seen uh, that have gone down a path in business and within six months have given up, but more than likely within 90 days are done. I've even seen examples of within a matter of a week or two. And I'll ask people like, hey, what's going on? Why are you quitting? They're like, well, nothing's happening. It's been 15 days. 15 days? My lawn gets cut every 15 days down here. Like, that's not much time at all. So you may be focused on a particular asset class. You may, you know, wonder if that's the right niche for you. Well, give it some time and see. 15 days probably isn't long enough time, so... My point here is, I've said it many times, and I'll probably say it many times in the future, good things take time. If you're doing something for 10 years and, and nothing good ever comes out of it, should you pivot or do something else? Probably. That's a long time. So timeline's unknown, but six months or less probably isn't enough time. Just my opinion. All right. The guest today is Jordan De Silva. Really, really interesting guy. He's a CEO of a company called Web City Properties. He's got $40 million in assets under management focused on single-family rentals, value-add multifamily, and residential development in the southern Dallas area. What's interesting about that to me is this guy is dialed in. So not only is his market kind of broken down into a sub-market specifically, but he knows exactly what he's doing in that market. And I remember... When we got on video, as soon as I started watching this guy talk, I was like, this guy's younger than me, but this dude is dialed in. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. If you watch the video version of this podcast, you'll see what I mean. But it's a great conversation, but what an outstanding dude. So I had fun with it. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Let's check it out. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Glad you're here. Thanks so much, Jason. Good to be on. Absolutely. So I do not know this story about you. Tell me how you got started down this road of real estate investing. Well, you know, it all starts with my dad. I'm fortunate to be in. He's in the 
he's in the background. I don't know if you can see this if you're not on YouTube, but my dad's the the whole reason I'm, I'm able to be in the position I'm in. He actually was an immigrant from India, came over to California, really with kind of the clothes on his back, uh, rags to riches story, grew up dreaming of America and was able to accomplish all his dreams. He came over here, got into entrepreneurship, and then realized that real estate was the way to build generational wealth and did that in California, sold out in the mid-2000s and then came to Dallas and and really saw Dallas as, as the opportunity that I think everybody sees now, right? He, he, he was about 15 years early from what a lot of other people are, are right now. And his model was to, he would go places where no one else was willing to go. And he would do things no one else was willing to do. And that's what made him stand out. And that's, you know, kind of you, you almost defeat the competition in that you go to where there is no competition. That's kind of the thesis behind his his methods. And so he started buying in, in Southern Dallas, which is more of an area that has had, you know, higher crime, kind of the C and D class areas if you're thinking about it in the sense of multifamily. And he started buying single family. So he would buy a single family property. You know, back then you could buy it for, you know, five, 10, 15,000. And then he would put in about the same amount as, as he bought it for. And then he would sell it for two to three times and he would sell or finance it. So he would hold the note and be able to cash flow. And he just continued doing that for 17 years. We also acquired quite a few long-term rentals along the way in the same areas. And we've been able to have the downside protection with the notes and then the upside we've been able to be rewarded from that over the last couple of years especially with rent growth the way it's been in, in dallas we manage everything in-house construction everything in-house build houses as well now and i took over for him actually in uh, 2020 unfortunately he passed away kind of unexpectedly but uh, he left behind you know great legacy and now we are in the multifamily space and really my thinking what behind that was you know, he built a great business. Well, how do we scale this? He's given me a great portfolio that is cash flowing, but we have no outside investors for our portfolio. So it gives me this great platform where now I can say, okay, let's use that and let's grow it by acquiring multifamily, doing more residential development, and let's see where we can take this. So that is how I got into the real estate. I, I grew up on it and I continue to, to see the benefits every day. Amazing story, bro. Like, I've never had anybody answer the question like that. Like right away, I was like, oh, what's going on here? This is different. So first thing, super sorry to hear about your father, man. That's rough. But the father of me goes, man, it makes my heart sing to see what he built and position you for. So I'm going to do the very same thing for my kids. Like it, it's a beautiful story. I love it. Very cool. Monthly recurring revenue is a great thing, isn't it? It's nice not to be worried about having acquisition fees and promote and all that right now. It's, it's yeah. good to be able to have a business that runs on itself with the portfolio we have. It's beautiful. So are you guys accepting outside capital now or are you going to continue to not? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. That's one of the things that unfortunately it took me a little too long to realize. And I understood, you know, my dad's perspective was let's just keep it in house or yeah. build slowly. I get it. But, you know, I'm 26. I'm in growth mode, man. So yeah. I'm looking for investors. We have a good base to say, hey, we have experience. We have this great team. Yeah. Now, now we're in raise mode for sure. Yeah. I like it. So I heard you touch on this. Are you guys focused on multifamily in Dallas or is there any other asset classes or market that you guys look at as well? Yeah, we're all focused on, on DFW in North Texas and we'll do residential developments. We'll still do single family and single family portfolios. And then we'll also do kind of that smaller multifamily product here in Dallas. But we, we just, we're so bullish on North Texas as a whole. Yeah. And Dallas is just so different from other markets in that the geographical size of it 
is yeah. just unbelievable. So as it expands outward, we are taking advantage of that growth by buying into a lot of these tertiary markets as well. So love Dallas. I, I think because of our leverage on our experience here, there's no reason for us to go outside of it now. Yeah. We want to do great here and then be able to build on it in future years. I like that. And I say something oftentimes about my business, which is very different than yours, but if what we're doing is working really well, like why would we not stay narrow? And people who aren't narrow don't get it, but I think you get it. One big advantage you have is obviously, like you said, now everybody loves Dallas. Everybody loves Texas, but a big advantage you have is you're already there. You get boots on the ground when you wake up. I have to imagine that's a lot more convenient than flying across the country to walk properties and that type of thing. Yeah, and it's funny because I was just talking to a broker today, and he's talking about all these New York and California buyers that have come into the market in the past couple of years. Now they're struggling because they didn't know the market as much as they should have. They don't have the boots on the ground context here that, that understand one neighborhood west is a totally different neighborhood, and then they don't see that level of granular knowledge of street by street. So that's what differentiates us, and I think we're, we're positioned in this type of market you know, where the, where the environment is now positioned for uh, being more competitive. Yeah, I like it. So I'm going to throw a question at you. I, I don't normally throw, but I'm just curious. So I kind of saw the things you're passionate about, like obviously making money is great. And especially if you're doing it legally and ethically, it's cool. But beyond that, why do you do what you do, man? What gets you out of the bed? Let's you go, hell yeah, I love doing this. And the business lets me do that. You know, and I love what you said at the end, the business lets me do that. And I think that's, what my dad raised me on, which is that real estate is a vehicle for something. And you are, and not only that, but you are steward of the money. You're a steward of your portfolio, meaning that this is not your money. And so once you take that mindset out of it, that even for him, right, he's the one that built it from scratch with nothing but the clothes on his back and was able to build a multi-million dollar business. But he, even he was like, this is not my money. This is money that I've been given that I'm supposed to use for the greater good of, of humanity. Yeah. And so he gave the same mentality in me and, and I see it as if I can go out of bed and and I understood this too. You know, I think in college all of us kind of get these passions growing up. I want to do good for people and nonprofit work. I had a phase like that as well. And I still love nonprofits, but I realized quickly that the way to have the most impact was for me to be able to acquire as much property as I can and grow my wealth and grow our company and leverage all that for influence and impact. Well, that's what gets me up out of day every day is, and why I'm underwriting deals and raising capital, all that. It's, it's with the idea that, you know, I think that when I own this multifamily property, that I'm going to be more impactful for the residents and for the community than another buyer who's gonna look at it as, as a transaction. I'm gonna look at it as, yes, great returns for my investors, but I also care about the residents and I care about the community because I'm in it every day. That's what gets me up out of bed every morning. Even when I've sent out a dozen LOIs and none of them get accepted, you keep going for those reasons. Yeah. I'm glad I asked the question. That's a good response, man. Beautiful. What simple marketing strategies kind of let your dad and even you now kind of get traction? I guess more you because you're opening it up. Uh, what's working to get new investors kind of into your business? You know, I think, you know, we're in, we're in a stage of where we're trying to figure that out, but what has had success so far, yeah. I think it's just first understanding, like, what are your strengths, what values and traits can align with that person that aligns with your traits and your value. Yeah. So for us, it's somebody that cares about 
the, the community, right? They, they're someone that wants to invest in somebody who's going to give great returns, of course, but who also cares about the community, that those values have to align. Otherwise, you know, you might as well go with any investor if you don't really care about that part. Yep. And I think, too, just the locality of it, we understand that because we're so focused on Dallas, likely someone needs to like Dallas as well and understand that. So just understanding, let's not, let's be focused on just one market, our market that we know very intimately. Yep. And let's, let's really preach our values out there because somebody that aligns with that will immediately be drawn to that. Yeah. I think people, you know, oftentimes, Everybody kind of has the same message of get get passive income, build financial freedom. There's a lot of that commonality, which is fine, yeah. but you're not differentiating yourself. And right. oftentimes, I think, especially with the new generation of investors, value alignment is really important. So if you're not really preaching your values out there, yeah. you're going to have a hard time, I think, building a long-term relationship with an investor. Because if you if you connect on values, that can lead to a lot more down, down the line. So that's kind of what has been successful for us is just, identifying those things with our company and then preaching those as loud as we can. Yeah. Super smart, man. You're uh, you're wise way beyond your years. I'm sure you've heard that, but it's like, you get it. People are investing in you, not the IRR. They could get that from other deals or other places. So when people understand that in general about marketing, that's why I'm always telling people like, just be yourself and they're scared. It's good. Screw up and be open because just like reality TV or face-to-face, -face, you know, interactions, people are attracted to real. And you're not going to appeal to everybody. That's the point. You want polarity. You want people to come and people to go away. So that's where the magic happens. So good stuff. Yeah. What would you say the biggest mistake is, if any, that you've made so far in regards to your marketing? Or has, or has another way I could say it, has there been any regrets? Like, man, maybe we should have started doing this sooner. Or, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think my biggest regret is just not feeling like I could market myself out there in the first place. I think just not taking action, thinking that, you know, because I didn't have a multifamily deal in the contract or because I have experience in more single family that I couldn't go out there and brand myself. I, I shouldn't go out there. And and also too, because, you know, I think it leads back to, well, my dad started the company. Do I have the, the right to be marketing myself? And I think what I learned is that just sharing my journey, regardless of what it is, we all have different journeys and different levels of experience. Like you said, being real, and just sharing the ups and downs, it's led to so much more and then, and then just being quiet because you were afraid of what people would say or if you'd had enough experience. I think that's been the biggest mistake. I, I really started really in January with being on social media and sharing my brand and everything just because I, I didn't feel like as confident as, as I should have been. And yeah. over the last six months, it's opened so many doors just by sharing who you are and what you're doing because people want to know. And when you post interesting stuff and have it, a lot of interesting things going on. People tend to be more attracted to it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you present really well on video. So my personal opinion is keep using video with social media and your marketing. Cause if you don't, you're hiding your light from people and it's going to be uh, fulfilling for you personally and professionally. So it's good stuff. Man. Well, I, I appreciate that. Some people have no business being on video because they look terrified and high and crazy. And it's like, nah, it's in your thing. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a weirdo that I've always enjoyed talking about my massive failures kind of publicly because it, it really does bring people in. Like I built courses that took me six months and tons of money, and I've done this multiple times. And you launch them and nobody nobody buys, nobody cares, and it's it's yeah. humiliating. Or you know, writing a book that nobody buys. You know, at least I did something. Like if you don't fail, it's like when I tell my kids, that tells you you're not doing anything. Failure is the litmus test that you're taking action. Like there's 
a direct correlation. You know, Michael Jordan, the GOAT for my era and the, arguably the GOAT for all eras, missed a lot of shots, but you know what? He kept shooting. So you don't get scoring records and become the best ever by sitting on the bench. So effort, effort's required. Uh, here's a curveball for you, man. See what you think about this. Can you share a story about your journey? It can be in the single family world, multifamily, whatever you want that you've never shared publicly so we can get to know you a bit oh. better. A lot of people go funny. Some people go serious, but it's whatever you want it to be. You know what? I'm going to go with the failure because I think that's a good subject that you brought it on. Yep. And I think, like you said, transparently sharing your your struggles. I have a major, not a major failure, but it's been a learning lesson that I think is could have been a lot better is that my first single family property that I tried to build, it took me about two years to build it. It took me two entire years to, to build one single family house from scratch when I was starting out. And I didn't make any money out of it either. So big failure, but what I'll say, and I haven't shared that because, you know, you don't like to share, Hey, it took me two, two years to build this property. Yeah. Uh, looks great. Doesn't it? Well, I, it didn't actually make any money. Uh, it's not, not something you like to share in your market. Yeah. But, what I will say now, right, is that we have four, we have four single family homes in the pipeline that are being built right now. That'll be built in, of course, less than half the time yeah. and we'll make money. So it led to some success, but I always get bashful about how long it took me to build that one house because that it was a failure. But again, I think it led to some successes. So you're, maybe you're, you're starting a trend here of sharing more failures and that'll be good for all of us to be more, more transparent. I think too. Social media can be a tough place when you're dealing with failure and looking at everybody else's successes. So yeah. I just want, I want to commend you for that too. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you got to remember this, you're looking at what people are showing as success. A lot of those people are full of it too. So uh, just like I know some married couples that aren't happy, but they put it out there that they're so happy. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? You guys don't buy this. You know what I mean? So the nice Instagram pictures. And then when they're off camera, they're immediately fighting. Yeah, shaking the dog and shaking the baby because they're having a bad day. So at least on that first house you built, at least you didn't lose money. You could have lost 50 grand or something like that and put yourself into some kind of a tailspin. So, no, nah, it's all good, man. You learn and you go, okay, next time I need to adjust these things, it'll be better. And then eventually you got it down. It's just rinse, wash, and repeat, and then it's beautiful, you know. But the thing that I think is more relatable about failure, everybody can relate to failure. Not everybody can relate to massive success because they haven't had it yet. So when you see somebody on stage, you know, they're worth a hundred million dollars. A lot of people are like, that's great. I'll never be able to do that. You know, it just seems so far to reach, but what you miss is you miss the 15 years, of their backstory. So that's why I think failure is more powerful than success because everybody can relate to it. Just a thought. I love that, man. I love it. Yep. All right, so let's say that I was a brand-new capital raiser, and I was like, Jordan, I'm going to start this thing. I'm a brand-new capital raiser. Well, I'm going to start this thing Monday. Well, what's the one piece of marketing advice you would tell me to try to set me up for success? I would say just know who you are and know who your niche is. And, you know, I think, I don't know, we're, I think we're in the same group, the Raise Masters group, right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, if you've done the modules, right? It's like knowing who is your dream investor, what strengths do you have, first of all, that you can leverage who do you know that you can leverage? So like knowing yourself and knowing your network, first of all, but then from there, you know, looking at who your dream investor is going to be and, and and why that is the case. So for me, like I mentioned earlier, it's impact investment because we can talk about how we are the choice that's going to help the community while we're making great returns. So we, we just keep shouting it over and over. That's 
we'll find the guys that will align with us. So the same way, it's just understanding that for yourself and don't, don't just copy off of someone who you like, yep. like know yourself and know, know your network. Yep. Uh, that would be the, the first thing I think. And that's again, from race masters, so I can't take credit for that, but that's been, that's been revolutionary for us is understanding that, that concept of, of knowing who our dream investor was. And then from there, you kind of build all these systems and all the content to find that, bring them into your network. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. All right. So we are recording this in mid June, 2023. As you look forward to the end of the year, what are you most focused on in business? I think we're most focused on, on building that list of investors. And I, the reason I say that is because, you know, we've, we've, we've got some deals right now in the pipeline. We have some deals that we were working on this past uh, couple months. And, you know, it has been tough out there just talking to other people who can raise capital for our deals and just hearing about the stories of some deals failing for people that they could raise. So we're just, we're hearing a lot of uh, volatility from other capital raisers. So I think for us, it's, we, we can't rely on, let's say we get a deal and we want to bring in somebody to co-GP as a, to raise capital and, and help us with the deal as an asset manager. We've got to build out our investor list now and yeah. do it fast yeah. because the deals are going to come and they're already, you know, somewhat here. Uh, and we just, we have to be ready. And I think we've probably had the less of deals, you know, we, we wouldn't be as aggressive because we didn't know if we could raise. Yeah. So I think for us, it's learn how to raise money, learn how to build your investor list right now for us. And then we, we think that 2024 will be even more plentiful when it comes to the deal flow. Uh, and that will allow us to be more successful if we have that great network to rely on versus having to rely on other people to help us raise money. Yeah. Super smart. I was just with Hunter and Cabo with the Capital Collective Group a couple of weeks ago and oh, nice. say this, and he said it before and I agree, uh, you always need to be building your list. Don't wait till you have a deal to build your list. And I actually had a conversation with somebody today and they literally said, I've got a deal on the horizon. Should I wait then to do my raise and try to build a list? And I was like, I was like let's walk through that. Who are you going to get to invest if you don't know anybody? And they were like, oh shit. And I was like, yeah, it's it's a problem. I said, do you have any network or anything? They're like, no. So uh, it doesn't matter what your business is, especially in this business, but always be building that list because it's so much easier to be like, oh, we oversubscribed in two days rather than, you know, you go at it for two months and you raise 50 grand and fail and miss your mark. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's good advice to live by for sure. All right, man. If anybody listening or watching is intrigued by you, I can't imagine they won't be. It's the best way they can learn more about you or your company. Yeah, the, the best place for us to jump on a call, you know, www.webcityequity.com is our website. So that's W-E-B as in boy, C-I-T-Y, equity.com. Once you get there, there's a place for, for them to schedule a call, subscribe to our newsletter, and that's the best way for us to get in contact and I think just discuss investment goals, learn more about our company, and, and we can also talk about our thesis for DFW, and I think people will really align with what we're doing and, and see the traction that we have. Yep, I think so too. Cool, man. Well, I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you coming on today. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time. Yep. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on with the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. 
So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing if you remember nothing else today. It's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser and you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.